Hey coconuts, welcome back to weekly market updates. This week we start off with a macro update with a possible 50 basis points incoming for March. We then move on to two stocks, Disney, who just had its earnings, and Peloton and its news of the CEO resigning. Stay tuned. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, Coconuts, welcome back to our weekly market updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson. Awesome, folks. And uh, Coconuts, we have three things for you this week. First is a quick macro update. I understand there's a meeting tomorrow. So Jefferson is going to run through some scenarios in the form of macros. Uh, So that'll be really, really cool. Then we have two stocks for you. One is Disney, who just had its earnings. And a bit of news in Peloton, right? Um, I think that'll be a fun one to end off with. All right, to kickstart, Jefferson, why don't you take us through what's happening? At this stage, you think about it, is that the Fed delivers uh, a 25 basis point rate hike in, in March. It's kind of a, you know, a wet blanket, right? Like you see, everyone's expecting so much more. Uh, like market is pricing 45 basis point already for March and then you deliver 25 basis point. Hey, what are you trying to like achieve right here? Yeah. Uh, and coupled yeah. with the fact that we have already discussed quite a bit, quite extensively as well, about how we are already in the new regime. Um, I think hawkish upside uh, risk to the policy rates is needed, not a dovish downside risk. Yeah, I mean, what, what are your takes, guys? Actually, wait, wait, wait. So, <laughs> refresh my memory, right? I think we, we talked about the possibility of a uh, 50 basis point hike. We did. Yes. In March, I think a month ago, not even three weeks ago. And, and at that time, we were like, oh, wait, this is unlikely. I mean, it, it, it might be possible, but it's unlikely. Something would have had to happen. So, so what happened? Is it just the latest CPI that, that made it, you know, that, that made the market react or, or made the Fed react or what, 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 what happened to, to cause this, I think? Right, right. Yeah, good question. I think it's a combination of a couple of things, right? Like a few weeks back, we see 7.5% headline CPI and... Mm-hmm. Last week, we saw nearly 5% core uh, PCE inflation. And this is just uncomfortable numbers to everyone in the markets. So okay. you can, the Fed can tell us like uh, wages, growth, uh, job growth has been robust and what's not. Uh, and how the whole uh, economy is still dealing with uh, pandemic-related uh, apps and flows very well, you know, with decreasing volatility. I think this is really like smokes and mirror kind of thing where everyone mm-hmm. is just concerned, hey, if my everyday goods and services are going to be so much more expensive, what's up, guys? Like, what, what's the plan? What's the game plan right here? And I think, like, we, we, all, we all see in the news as well, like, political crisis, like, you know, your whole Ukraine and Russia issues going on as well. Um, not, not, not very comforting, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Not sure about you guys. <laughs> yeah. Not even close. Yeah. But I think that, that that's that's uncomfortable on a different level, right? Like, like yeah, exactly. I, I don't but, I don't know <laughs> if if the Fed can can affect Ukraine. Probably not. Although they say don't fight the Fed. Of course, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, don't fight the fat is the is the key the key headline we want to bring across as well, right? Yeah, but I think one one of the biggest thing to think about is why this whole geopolitical uh climate is important as well is because they exactly mm-hmm. because they can't control it, and mm-hmm. the only thing they can control is domestic inflation, right? So, if you already have so much supply side drivers of inflation, like your chips shortages, your oil price, uh, gonna be higher and higher. Happy days for all the commodity traders, uh, and all the pot bottlenecks. And you, if you think about it, like, uh, past the 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 Spanish flu, then there was the whole issue of them having to reopen the economy. Then you start seeing like mm-hmm. uh, it was still industrialization period back then, but there's mm. a lot of labor skills mismatch as well in the labor force in general. And you also have something which I, I thought is interesting and I read it somewhere, which is that the sustained goods demand by companies might cause an entrenched uh, cycle of rising prices as well. Because you know how the companies then perceive that, hey, the current demand is a lot higher than you know pre-pandemic. So should we then continue to produce uh, goods at this level? And with higher demand, we all learn in basic economics 101 is that you're going to have higher prices as well. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's all these things are making us, you know, go, go a little bit cray-cray with the whole inflation situation as well. And the Fed, you know, wants to tame the tiger in that sense. Yeah. I think it's definitely a question, right? So you either increase price with regards to demand or you definitely, you, you increase supply lah. Right, so you hire more workers, and then you you effectively go and make more of those things, and that is also effectively a double edged sword, right? Because if this is this demand sustainable, is is the other question? Because then if you hire too many workers, it's not going to it's going to affect your company's bottom line. All of that could effectively happen as well. I I feel that we don't really know what's happening, and I think the Fed as well doesn't really know whether it's a demand side or supply side, as we as we talked about in, even in our previous one. Mm-hmm. And for me, fifty basis points right off the bat is really scary, though. Because they said that they wanted to wait on data. They said they wanted to see what was going to happen. Why? Usually it's 25 basis points, right? And then see what happens. Mm-hmm. Then you can go 50. That's the way I would do it. Yeah, yeah but I, I mean, you know, they, they are acting on data. <laughs> what data? Yeah, but CPI. They, they are acting on data. Yeah, CPI, PC. Right? I, I mean, inflation. I think because the, the, the whole point is that they, they started this loop of, oh, I want to go tighter and I want to raise interest rates. And, and it works on expectations, right? It's forward-looking. So, so with that, inflation was supposed to have already start falling, right? Or, or at least start getting under control. But with the latest data point, it shows that rhetoric itself isn't working, right? And, and that's why, you know, maybe more drastic action than what is normally done is required. Right, so so I, I don't think we, we can say that you know oh, like that there has like like they have been taking action because words well in in a weird sense the Fed's words are their own actions right mm. so you know since they've already been taking action and, and it hasn't been working you know I mean it, I think that's where we are going that they just need to take stronger action and and that's where you know fifty points in seems a bit more logical from from that perspective. I think so. I think, yeah, I, I guess both of you make some sense, right? Like, um, one is that the Fed is also trying to navigate this whole si- uh, situation. Uh, two, you know, if you have, if, if COVID didn't exactly happen, you know, they were thinking of uh, keeping rates at where it was if you read back news uh, pre-COVID. <laughs> um, so, 
yeah, I, I, did, I did a little bit, little bit of digging, right? Then I realized that, oh, back then, uh, the, the, the rate cycle was, you know, they want to keep it. Uh, they were thinking of hiking, in fact, so they uh, still debating about it, still in the whole signaling process and what's not. And then COVID happened, they had to lower rates a lot more. And now, you know, this whole thing with uh, post-COVID and what's not. I don't even know whether you can call it post-COVID, to be honest. Uh, or maybe just a phase where you're navigating as well. Yeah. Um, just don't go crazy and think that every meeting, if, if the Fed during March, you know, come out and say, hey, we're just going to do a 50 basis point uh, in March. And don't just take it like it's just a... It's probably just going to be a one-off thing. It won't probably happen every other meeting. Yeah, if it's if it happens, then I think there goes all the housing loans. We we can forget about buying a house. I can yeah, forget about buying a house. <laughs> yeah, that's my worry as well. Yeah. Because like fifty basis points. What happens if it's true drastic? Right. That's that's definitely a question that that it's it's on my mind. Um, but of course, right there, there's the other aspect of things, which is what Anthony is saying: is that what happens if 25 basis points isn't drastic enough and nothing changes, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that itself, if 25 basis point isn't, isn't a very drastic uh, number itself, right, then people are just going to be, just, just have to suck it up and be like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's a sore disappointment for the time being. And um, potentially we're going to see like some uh, emergency rate hike that happens uh, in between the year and what's not and given the whole FOMC speakers list that uh, they have been talking in the past week as well uh, pre the 16 February meeting then you can see that yeah they are they're coming to realize that hey maybe it's a good idea to do some form of 50 basis point hike as well so that that can be something that they are warming up to in, in some sense mm. um, but I think Something to, to uh, just a food for thought, right? Is that 50 basis points is definitely not normal. And mm -hmm. if you yeah. look back in history, um, they did actually start a hiking cycle uh, with 50 basis points back in uh, the 1980s as well. So uh, that wasn't normal times, and we are not in normal times as well. So I think yes. uh, it's just when a, a transitionary period, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's what they they have been saying, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just means uncertain times, guys. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I think a very interesting thing. Um, moving on from this whole fifty basis point thing, I think it's more important to look ahead, right? And there's three rate hike scenarios that I think will be interesting to to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, one okay. is that. If in 2022, they decided to do a 125 basis point uh, rate hike, which is what everyone is pricing in the market as well. Um, and this still comes with, uh, say, core PC falling below uh, 3% by year end. Happy days for all of us, I think, in that sense. And why I say that is really, if you look from that perspective itself, uh, it's the best of all worlds, right? Where you have the... You, you need commodity and shipping costs to pick in quarter one of 2022, which is what they are all saying right now. Yeah, it, it will blow away mm. everything. Uh, this, this is just transitory. Um, and this all would essentially pave way for lower inflation. Um, and you need the growth uh, to remain strong, uh, unemployment to fall as well, to mm. say below 3 to 3.5%, yep. uh, with the participation labor force to... Uh, rise to pre-pandemic levels as well. 
So essentially, you're going to get a, a healthier economy in that sense. Um, and it will definitely reflect in your company's earnings and asset prices uh, will remain well supported in this you know, scenario that I, I propose. But mm. um, I think there's still, it, it's more of a, like, I wouldn't say that it's a dream or anything like that. Maybe like I, I would say attribute about like 40, 40 to 30% uh, probability that this will happen. Okay. But maybe something slightly more challenging in that sense will be under the rate hike um, and you know how it has proven to be a, a signal a signaling effect in the past, right? Right now, mm-hmm. them having to do it, it come a little bit too late in that sense. So what happened when it's a little too late is that um, you, you don't see much changes in terms of the, the labor participation force. You don't see much changes yep. in wages and price dynamics as well. Everything stays status quo. You still see inflation high uh, and what's not. Then what the Fed will do is that you come out and say, hey, we're going to reevaluate and potentially prolong the strings of hike again. Um, right. Then it will be a drag on asset prices. Uh, yep. Not great for us. Uh, rate portfolio again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it's but okay. I, yeah, exactly. But that's a key makes you stronger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just don't look, it's fine. <laughs> and then maybe 2023 will be a much better year for all of us. Yeah. But I, I think it's hard to separate the probability of this scenario from the, the first mm. one, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Then the last one, the last one I can actually think about is that, you know, you have uh, inflation still overshooting, even though you have all these strings of uh, rate heights. Um, you have a sharp growth slowdown and what's not, and maybe even an asset price crash. Then in this scenario, what has to happen is basically you need uh, energy, shipping prices, commodity prices to still be rising, uh, rising sharper and sharper. Um, then yep. you start seeing, um, you, even though maybe you see like wage growth uh, acceleration as well, which then fewer for price dynamics to go even higher, inflations to go even higher in that sense. Um, and with the whole Fed, Fed hikes, it's no longer you know, effective anymore. So you, you want to push mm. down investments, you want to push down cons, uh, consumer spending. Yes, it's all going to happen. But with that, uh, spending, because you have consumer spending becoming lower, investment be, being lower, your GDP take a hit as well then eventually mm. there will going to be a sharp correction in your asset prices. But I think this, this last scenario is unlikely in that sense. Um, it, it won't be as severe because the, the Fed probably want to prevent this from happening as well. So, which yeah. is why the messaging from Powell has been, a lot, uh, has been a lot more gradual in that sense when it comes to rate hike. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the yeah. last one is... is the the painful one, right? Because we the, the, the there's always this scenario in my mind where they they keep focusing on inflation so much and they keep raising raising interest rates to combat inflation without really taking into account the time lag, right? Because mm. there's always a lag between raising interest rates and, and seeing its effect on its economy. Then what happens is they raise it too hard and too fast and we end up in a recession for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Right? Because um economic growth isn't as strong as we thought it was, you know. And yeah. maybe we see some signs of it in PMI being not great now and, and all of that. And and then boom, you know, we, we end up in oh, we, we did not fight off inflation too well, but we got a recession. So I guess that's where we end up, which also isn't great. Mm. 
Yeah, I think so, right? So the first, for me, the first two all, uh, makes a bit more sense uh, in, in, or, or probability, right? The only question here is, is it going to be mm-hmm. nice and easy? They raise it, we, then it comes down just like your economic books as we learn in uni? Or <laughs> is it going to be a, a roller coaster ride um, <laughs> for, for, no. for the next six months to a year um, as they figure out actually how does the market work, right? And I really think it's, it's the, the latter or, or scenario two. Um, that's the way that, that I, I think I see that. So um, I'm, I'm prepared for my portfolio to be in red for a little bit more uh, <laughs> and just, just try and hope for all of these things. Actually, on, on that, Jeff, I wanted to ask you, right? So it, yes. it seems as if we are just going to go through a lot of volatility. It'll be some up, some down, some up, some down, right? Because um, expectations change and, and all of that. Is there a way to position it properly or, or is it just, oh yeah, take profit and, and run, you know, be, be a bit more nimble, don't take so much long term, do, try to do a bit of market timing, which, which I, I feel fundamentally quite uncomfortable with or, or is there some other way that, that you, know, you, you, you would see people play it? I think in the space like this, right, uh, one of the things I'll look for is uh, I wouldn't look at all your growth stocks or whatever, uh, your value stocks and what's not, but I, I like to uh, look into the space where you can see maybe REITs as well, potentially because of some form of interest rate uh, risk mispricing, right? Then you can you can mm-hmm. buy into it and maybe just hold for it for very, very short term and then sell it mm-hmm. off. Or uh, some other stuff that I like to look at is commodities. Yeah, I, I think we discussed it in one of the episodes as well. Uh, commodities ETFs. Uh, I think that is a space that we can look at or lastly, then maybe you can start look. Uh, we can we can look into say the the EM uh, emerging markets as well, like Vietnam. Uh, those those give good space uh, where you can you know uh, find pick, pick some opportunities as well and buy into it. Um, because they are they the, the central bank you know they are not going to position themselves to do a rate hike as quickly as. Uh, all the other developed markets as well. So it's more of a wait and see where you still have a little bit of room uh, to play, you know, and see how how then in the developed markets it plays out before it plays out in the e- EM space as well. So these are the few uh, spaces that I'll, I'll, I'll position my portfolio. So, so, so China? Yeah, in other words. <laughs> um, China. <laughs> I, I I mean China is different. China is very different. I think we Australia we, also, we, we, Australia we discuss also. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, China is uh China is a different ball game, right? I mean, Australia is good because it's it's a lot driven by commodities, right? Yeah. So, mm. uh, you you're probably gonna see um some some upside in in that in that markets as well. Yeah, yeah. I think just as a quick digress, I'm taking a look at lithium. Um, and that's been skyrocketing in ASX as well. So <laughs> good to just keep note of all these things. Yeah. It's just a very different play that we are all navigating. No longer the, the mm-hmm. buy, buy anything, throw, throw a stone into the US equity markets <laughs> and you, know, you get X percent return. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, what, yeah, 2020, you, you touched literally thing. any stock you were, it was like Midas's touch. You made money. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Um, thanks so much, Jeff, for the, for the quick <laughs> macro update. Well, not really quick, but you know, <laughs> for the good macro update. I thought it was a really nice somehow, thing to, somehow. to go through the, the scenarios, right? I think that's, that's quite interesting. And, and we look forward to tomorrow's meeting. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Anthony, 
Disney. What happened there? Disney just just announced earnings, right? So, um, I think Disney is a company that that people have, are definitely familiar with. Cause you you can't really touch anything without touching Disney now. Yes. But but yeah, they they had earnings last week. Um, they they did it decently, I I think I would say, and. And they are obviously not a growth stock, or at least not as growthy anymore. So mm. no twenty percent up, twenty percent down after earnings. So it was a mere three percent. So so that's not too bad. But I think they are three percent up, beating earnings. So so I think you know in in times of volatility like this, besides you know, whatever Jeff has mentioned, we, it might also be useful to look at the big stabilizing companies, the things that are you know, rooted in the real world. Right, not just crypto and and tech, <laughs> um, because then you know you, at at the at the very least, you know, if if the economy does improve and all that, then then these companies also you know follow along. So so I, I was looking at Disney and well, yeah, maybe just so so actually before we go into numbers, when when we talk about Disney now, which part are you guys interested in? Is it just Disney Plus because we all subscribe and we want to watch TV? <laughs> No, for me it's 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 a mix. For me, it's uh, the parks. I do want to know a bit more about their parks, uh, given that everybody's sort of easing into it, and I know that they make some money out of that as well. Disney Plus for me is a small part of the revenue. I feel, uh, but please correct me if I'm wrong. But it's growing. Mm-hmm. It's growing quite a bit, um, and I think that's the area that they're trying to focus on. Yeah, I think that that's almost exactly on point, right? So oh, wow. you're exactly right. Disney Plus is is um slow. Well, it's growing. Um, it's it's not growing super quickly. It's it's still way 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 behind Netflix, mm. right? Um, but I think it's they are trying. They they are focusing on that. So so that's great. And we can talk more about that later. Um, I think what was really impressive this time round was their parks results. So. In 2021, oh sorry, just the past quarter, yeah. they it was actually their highest ever revenue and and operating income for for the US parts. Right? So they even kept including pre-COVID, like post COVID, whatever. Yeah, so ever, yeah, so ever in their life. Wait, how does it ever work? Yeah, and park that, entrance, that's right? right? <laughs> park entrance. I, know, I, mean, I mean, like it's COVID, right? Like. I don't expect yeah, yeah, anybody no, to what's amazing yeah. about it. So, so it, it it's, it's restricted. Um, well, I mean, US is mostly open now. Yeah, that's what but I they still have restricted capacity, oh, right? Okay. And and despite that, they they still had the highest ever revenue, and and a lot of it was driven by operating margin. Mm-hmm. So, so I think in in the COVID times, you know, they, when when they were all closed, they they did a lot of works around trying to monetize when when they could reopen. So so they had like new apps, so they, they push people to spend more and, and that's oh. just they, they became more efficient and, and that's just how they, they achieved the, the top revenue even with you know um capacity constraint. Wow, awesome folks. Yeah, so I was like, oh that that's actually impressive, right? Yeah, totally. It's effectively like a springboard approach, right? So they sort of contract the spring during COVID, like sort of just consolidate, make everything efficient. And then as soon as it opens up, it just spring forward again in terms of rev and all of that. So I think that's that's really, really cool. Yep. And and I mean, if you think about it, um, the, yes, US is open, but you know, Tokyo, Hong Kong, China, where, where there's Disneyland everywhere, it's, it's still mainly closed uh, because of zero COVID, because of well, COVID generally. Mm. So if they can translate this, you know, across, when when we reopen, whenever that is, whether that's this year, 2023, 2024, um, you know, 
there is going to be quite a lot coming through to their bottom line, right? Or even if the US fully reopens and there's no more you know, capacity constraints, there, there is room to grow even from this you know, record revenue level. So I think Parks is, you know, it's, it's not only been a great business, it's actually becoming a better business you know, as they move past COVID. What about like, that, you know, one of the big production is Marvel, right? Uh, their linear yes. networks, their content sales, licensing, like this, this, this must have account for something. I, I would assume, you know, I, I, re- I reckon that it's, it's, it's an interesting time for them with COVID and how they position their movies. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think mo- movies actually haven't done well. Well, quite, quite obviously, but yes. Um, so the box office tickets haven't been great. I think licensing has, has been quite steady. Right? So they, they don't do you know, licensing because it goes to third parties, it's toys, it's all that. They don't actually change that much year to year. Um, they, they change it from having greater IP, more than greater, more than, yeah, more, more than trying to extract more from, from whatever, whatever they have. So, you know, licensing is okay, but movies have just been terrible um, because of box office globally and and. I mean, we have, we have talked about this before in previous episodes as well. Partially, that that's also been a push to streaming, right? So, mm. so they do same day releases to, to and maybe cannibalize a bit of the yeah, maybe cannibalize a bit of their box office, or they, they don't even do box office like Encanto, and and it became like the, the <laughs> top hit in Disney Plus in the US like overnight. I think it was like two hundred million plus views or something. It's wow. insane. Mm. But question, right? Um, so I, I was reading this thing that uh, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home is like really, really close to like the top earner in terms of movies, right? So I know that that's a split with Sony there, but do you know whether it's Disney gets some mm. cut from that? I don't know, actually. Um, I, I mean, that my first reaction is Spider-Man is top grossing, but that should only be top grossing among 2021, not, not top grossing like ever. Uh, they were comparing it to Avatar, is that right? actually. So actually, oh, okay. I think it's almost ever. Yeah, I think it's just below Infinity War, um, in terms of crossing. Oh, wow. It's yeah. Wow. Apparently, it's insane. Like, um, I was reading news articles where people were forgetting, like they don't care about COVID. They're just going to go see Spider Man. And unfortunately, I was one of them. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's 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 a nice movie, but you know, uh, I don't know if it deserves to be like top grossing. Okay, well, I have to tell you that here, <laughs> I, I did cheer, man. That was awesome. Like, I loved it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, wait, it's 800 million. Okay, that, that, that's decent, right? It's not, it, it's good, but I, it's not near um, Avengers or something like that. Yeah, I think Endgame was quite high, 3B or something. I'm not sure. Yes. Oh, no, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just Googling this now. Spider-Man was the sixth highest grossing movie ever. Yeah, you see? In COVID times, that's insane. Yeah, but, but it it did not even <laughs> it, it it didn't even make the earnings report. Maybe because it's not in the same reporting period. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like maybe or, or actually it could be because yes. that that money is split with Sony. So therefore, in the books, it didn't make a dent. Oh yeah, yeah I mean probably eight hundred mil. It, it probably doesn't make a dent anyway. Yeah, <laughs> right? you, you need like like the the revenue is just uh, insane. Cool. And, and what else is, is Disney doing? Uh, what else popped up in terms of... Because, I mean, you mentioned Disney Plus yep. is not um, going too much in, in streaming, but they bought like sports channels and all that, right? No, so so Disney... Yeah, sorry. So Disney always had ESPN um, oh, okay. in the US. 
not they they always own ESPN. Um, it's just that we we don't get to see much of it in Singapore. Mm. So 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 that's always been a part of their stable. Um, and I think they are pushing slightly strongly into sports streaming. So so they are trying to bid for rights. They are trying to beef up the the ability of what they can show. But but again, you know, it's it's very US centric. So it's NFL rights and and all of that. It's not EPL, unfortunately. It's it. not really cricket. So yeah. so we shall see. <laughs> oh, quarter man. Um. And so what's what's our takeaway for for this Disney quarterly earnings report? What do you think? Should this buy? Uh. What are your thoughts here? I don't know. Um. I mean, I, I just keep looking at Disney. I have, I have my one share from Mumu. Eh, yeah. No, from Tiger. I got that one free share right. a few months back and I've just never sold it. So, so I've seen it up and down. Um, I think it, it's, it's an interesting business model, right? So, so you can see their you know, pre-COVID business starting to do well. They, they obviously have a formula down pat for their box office. You know, licensing is going strong. Um, and the, the kicker is streaming, right? And you know, streaming to, to me seems to have two different aspects of it. One is, you know, it, it could be revenue generating like Netflix, right? Or of course, when we talk about Netflix, we are worried about unit economics and all that. So, so yep. that could you know, also play in here. But the, the other thing is, you know, Disney is much broader than Netflix, right? So what, whatever you, you manage to stream, you manage to grow new IP on, on Disney Plus or Hulu, you can build it into your licensing. You can make a movie out of it. You can you know, build an immersive experience in a theme park, which brings you back to your streaming and new series and all that. So, so you, you can see their flywheel beginning to spin quite quickly, right? And I think that's what's interesting to, to me about the business. That the, the parts you know, work together, they, they are quite coherent and they can feed each other's growth. And, and then, of course, you have sports and maybe sports gambling and all that, which is a new growth area. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to look at. I have no idea about valuation. I think, you know, sometimes people think about it as tech because of streaming. Sometimes people think about it as a traditional business. So it'll go up and down. Um, yeah, it might just be something you accumulate to a decent size and you can hold for three or five years as a, as something in a portfolio to stabilize it. Got it. Jeff, what do we think? One of the things that, uh, Anthony mentioned was the whole subscription video on demand uh, penetration, right? Uh, mm. I, I don't doubt that if they have a lower than expected uh, penetration on the front versus say Netflix, uh, Hulu, uh, what's not, whatever, right? Um, this this just supposed to be downside risk as well. Um, and I think also with how the rising sports costs, like you know, you you get mm. videos or you get you get rights to to show. Uh, sports on your own subscription channel and what's not it's, it's all rising at the same time with greater than expected competition as well um, all of which will will prove to be a downside but for now I think they are still doing fine uh, on the front where they are still upgrading parks trying to come up with new teams and what's not which, which come to me as very big surprise, you know, uh, during COVID. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't think about it that way, right? Yeah. You think, ah, yeah, park means yeah. what? But, but I guess they turn, op- they turn a crisis into opportunity. So, so kudos to them for that. And definitely uh, with a lot more movies coming up in, uh, I think in 2023, you have like quite a few Marvel movies like, uh, I think Moon Knight, then Star Wars, you have like Obi, Obi-Wan Kenobi coming out as well. Yeah, all, all of which, you know, will will get people uh, excited and coming on board. So I, I see it to be 
quite favorable in that sense where we, we can position ourselves to to have it one or two in our portfolio as well. Yeah. Got it. Cool. I, I do think it's quite diversified, right? Um, so I, I do see some growth there, but I, it could be, you know, just keep your money there. I don't think it's going to grow by much. Like you mentioned, Anthony, but 3% increase, even though they beat expected, right? So... Yeah, but, but that's fine. You know, slow and steady wins the race. Exactly, right? exactly. And, yeah. and this time, I well, think Mi- it's fine. Well, Mickey Mouse uh, have seen more crises than all of us combined. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse might be older than all of us combined. I think, exactly. yeah, I think yeah. it is. So yes, yes, yes. He, he knows, yeah, he knows what's going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have some faith in them. Yeah. <laughs> House of Mouse. Yeah. Right. Awesome, folks. Thanks, thanks so much for that, Anthony. And I think lastly, just very quickly, I want to touch on Peloton. So um, I think one of the things <laughs> why I wanted to talk a bit about Peloton is because we talked about it three, four <laughs> weeks ago uh, during its, its earnings call. We talked about, uh, you know, the, the leaked memo that, that came through from, from an employee um, somehow got leaked. And uh, there was at that point in time, there was an activist investor trying to get the CEO out of this, out of their seat. And it turns out that, he is out of his seat, right? <laughs> On February 8th, he actually vacated and resigned. Yeah. Um, and a C- CFO, ex-Spotify CFO, has taken over as CEO of Peloton. And the first thing he said mm-hmm. was, we are here to restructure and make sure that this company is um, good, oh, you know, financials are uh, sturdy and, and build its foundations again. Um, now, so I guess that's what a CFO has to say, right? Of course. Now, I mean, just from, from my, my <laughs> he, he doesn't He doesn't know like, anything else. <laughs> In all fairness, CEO said the same thing, right? During earnings calls. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, the, the CEO you know, can sell the vision. This is the dream. <laughs> this is the ambition. The CFO just goes, no, guys, numbers. And the CEO goes, no, supply chain, right? <laughs> they, they, they have their specialties. And, and I guess that, that's a sign of where the company is going. Absolutely, right? And I mean, I think this, this testament to what Anthony just said as well. Usually when a CFO jumps into the CEO, at least in my experience, is that it's not really a good sign for the business uh, because now they're just really going to cost cut and, and, and just make sure that the bottom line is, is back to normal, right? And on that note, they did state that Peloton will lay off 20% of its workers, right? Straight up. So that's 2,800 workers that are going to be laid off, which is insane. They're also pausing bike production, because uh, they made too many bikes for the slowing demand, and they just kept going and going and going. <laughs> uh, so they are pausing. So actually, that 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 we... rumor about the leaked messaging kind of was true. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, they, they they ended up firing quite a lot. Of people. Can, can we not forget that they all get free all access membership as well for getting fired, <laughs> just oh. for one year? Yeah. <laughs> wow! Nice, nice, nice. Actually, yeah. I want to talk about that all-access membership, yeah. which is awesome, right? And believe it or not, on Feb 7, <laughs> there was rumor about a buyout of Peloton, and the stock rose 21%. On Feb 8, when the CEO right. resigned, the, the stock rose 25%. So, <laughs> <laughs> we live in volatile times, folks. <laughs> People hate him, right? <laughs> You need more people on the strategic committee to be leaving <laughs> yeah. in Peloton case. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and I think that's something I want to talk about, right? The the rumor about it or the market sentiment is that there could be a buyout. Right. And and if you read the news uh now and then there could be. And one of the reasons why I feel that it's it's also actually, you know, 
there's some truth to that rumor or, or there's truth to the market sentiment is because they have a really good subscription service, Peloton, right? We know that they started with this on top of buying the bikes that cost what thousand eight, et cetera, et cetera. You have to pay 39 US dollars a month for its subscription and it comes with training and, and so on and so forth. Now, some numbers for you here. They have roughly 6.6 million members on that system. Whether they pay, uh, I could not check whether they paid $39 or the digital subscription without the bike, which is I think $12.99. But mm. what I do have from their investor page is that they have a 92% retention rate of these subscribers. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, That's amazing numbers. That's where their revenue driver is. That's what they're great at. Right, And if you think about it, on top of that, in their Q4, their subscription revenue was actually up 132% to $281 million. And their digital subscriptions were up 176%. That's 874,000 people on digital oh, wow. subscription. Now, that's amazing. Mm. Right? That's where their money is. And wow. now if you start, if you start looking and, and just start thinking around about this rumor, there is some substance because there's a few companies out there that are looking to grow their fitness side of things. And one of the big ones that I have to say is Apple, right? Because in our last earnings call, we did talk about how they're going to focus on Fitness Plus and try and grow that. And they just started Fitness Plus. And if you look at their retention mm-hmm. rate, it's, it's almost, in, in my opinion, reeks Apple, right? It keeps you within the system. It keeps the clicks. You're going to get the people. You're going to combine it with your all-in-one membership with all the other stuff that they have. And you're growing the Fitness Plus. So they could, this could effectively mean buying more watches and, and everything else, right? What, what do we think that about is, that? That is true. I mean, you, you make a fair point on, on that front, but um, it's, it's all about having to integrate the, into the, 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 the ecosystem, right? Um, and I'm not sure whether, like, you know how Apple likes to be, like, likes to come up with their own products in that sense. Mm, um, true. For, for that for that advantage um, it, it might be more in their favor to to just build it out just for the whole ecosystem yeah. for the branding and what's not than having to use uh, peloton uh, equipments and and what's not altogether yeah that's that's just one of the things that I I, I can think of um, but I, I I do think like other sports brands like Nike uh, Adidas could you know come on board to do some form of partnership with them to to uh, to leverage upon the the subscription, uh, you know the, the the subscription base that they already have to roll out some of the newer uh, training pro- uh, videos and programs that they they are trying to roll out as well. Yeah, what I mean, I don't see why not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you no, know, I I think uh, at the height at the peak of its height, well, Peloton was the apple of connected fitness, right? So so mm, maybe yeah. that's where the apple com- because they have the good branding. You know, it's it's expensive and pretty, but you know, people go, why is it so expensive? Which is <laughs> Apple to me. So, so I, I see where that comes from. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, I think that's that. But that, then you know, Apple Fitness is slightly different because they don't actually come in on on a well on the hard. I mean, they have Apple Watches and all that, but it's it's all meant to be monitoring and tracking. It's not meant to actually push you that hard into fitness. Right, so and and for Apple to to go into that, you know, just, just seems to be uh, slightly out of character for them in that sense. So, so I mean, I agree. I don't think Apple is probably the the most suited um buyer, at, at least from from Apple's own perspective. Um, N- Nike is interesting, right? Because these people have always wanted to 
do connected fitness. They have their running app. They they do they did something during COVID. I don't know what. I downloaded it. Never opened it. <laughs> I wanted to slack and snacks. So so you know um that they, they they do have things and Nike is is clear right because their competitor Lululemon did almost exactly the same thing mm. right it was Lululemon they had Apple they bought Mirror right which is weights more more weights than like bike but that that's essentially the playbook you know maybe that's what Nike is following um but I, I think this whole volatility. Thing has been so interesting, right? Because all your super hyped up, super expensive stocks are now cheap enough to buy out targets. Mm, yes, right, and that's that's the fun part of it. What's next? Maybe next time, see you get see you get acquired by Amazon <laughs> <laughs> or, or Alibaba. No, maybe not Alibaba. Yeah, yeah, yeah Amazon would be good. So, so yeah, but yeah, maybe Nike, maybe Amazon could buy Peloton. Hey, you never know. You never know that maybe you will have uh, Disney having to buy Peloton. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, top, yeah, exactly. it was no, no, no. I mean, it was in they, talks they were, before. Right? Yeah, they were in talks before. Yeah. Uh, wow. I think some some time last year they were talking about it. Uh, and in fact, if you just look, uh, just just do a very quick Google like Peloton Disney classes, you can find uh, a whole list of it as well. Um, Disney rides and what's not for kids and yeah. So I think it, it might be a, a fairly good uh, deal in that sense where you can bring two, two of the brands uh, with loyal customer base together and there might be a lot of potential benefits from this acquisition as well. True, imagine putting Disney Plus yeah. in all of so, those so screens. So I think core of it is that Peloton has a great product, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Peloton does have a good product, right? And you can clearly see with their retention rates, it's actually decent. That's their revenue driver, right? If they get if they get yeah. certain things fixed. Yeah, but, but but that's what's you know making them attractive for a buyout. Absolutely. Absolutely. I um so we are yeah. we are so we are in agreement here that there could be a buyout. There could be companies looking at them. Yes. Yep, yep. I, I, I think yes. that is possible. I, I that, yeah. I think that the only problem is that the, the Peloton CEO came out, I think, today or yesterday to say, nope, sorry, we're not gonna sell. Yes, <laughs> he did say that. But I mean Unfortunate. Let's see. <laughs> let's see. He never knows. Actually, <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, right? If if Disney ever buy Peloton, it'd be great on the marketing synergy uh, front because think about it is that they have ESPN, you know, ESPN Sports Centers uh, yeah. offering breaking news, uh, highlights, and what's not. You can just place Peloton advertisements to just attract customer. That's that's <laughs> just a strategic move, right? It's it, totally in their favor. Yeah, I, I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> if you were CEO of Disney, is it? <laughs> Peloton, uh, I don't ask for Disney. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So I guess then the, the last question is, right, if there is stake for buyouts uh, on, on Peloton, should we buy Peloton? What to our coconuts and, and listeners out there? This is a gamble, right? It, it, it's straight out gambling. You, you you can't control it. You you can't you know have any foreseeable news about it. All you can know is it's a good product. You know, it, therefore it, it it's a good product. It's maybe relatively cheap now. That there's clear operational issues that that an acquirer can solve. So therefore, it may make a good target. But to put money in and, and to tie money in, and it could still go down, right? It, it's still a, a growth stock and treated as trash. So it could still go down, <laughs> and you are just hoping trash. that. It, it it goes up. It, it it's 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 a gamble. It, it's straight out a gamble. I I don't see who can say that 
you know, oh yeah, I can play the odds on this and, and win. I mean, if you can, good for you. Please tell me what odds you're playing. <laughs> hmm. Jeff, what do you think? And then now um, Jeff will tell me the odds. <laughs> <laughs> the odds, um, yeah. Well, I... I, I I wouldn't even talk about having to to like whether to buy when they do a merger or what's not, right? Like even right now, I, I think that there's there's way too much risk going on with regards to their whole strategic committee. Uh they, they really need to sort that out, uh, make it clean on the management front. The second thing is really this the the whole industry um that they are in is so dynamic, it's so competitive, like it's it, it's becoming a, a place where it, it's becoming more and more cutthroat in that sense, right? Um, and if you can't even sort your own management issues properly, then what what's going to happen? The programs that you come out with, uh, you know, it's just garbage in, garbage out in that sense. And you need to look at the whole broader macro slowdown as well, where it potentially might impact consumer, consumer spending power. Well, the bikes are not cheap as well. Um, I, I look at I was looking yeah. at uh, eBay, Amazon the other day. People were reselling their bikes, and and in fact, if you do a quick search, the like there's more and more people selling their bikes. Yeah, uh, why is that so? I, I I don't know. I don't have an answer. But my guess is that you know people need the cash for something else. Yeah, because they think that you know fitness is not not something that you can get fitness cheap because as well. Yeah, yeah, call. yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. So so. <laughs> They need to come up with more innovative means to to strengthen their whole business model. I I think, yeah. For me, it's a it's a no. Yeah, I hope I go for it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, I think just signing off, and we're happy to see you next week. Hope you learned a thing or two. Bye. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.